Hello, welcome to Beyond NI um, for a very special episode. It's the first ever live in-person episode. Matt's right beside me. So we can, there's no delay, there's no nothing to cut out now. It's, it's all easy breezy. I know, it's, it's actually weird. Like It's weird looking at someone now. <laughs> talking like I know we've Every time like, we disagree, I have to look at your face now. <laughs> <laughs> like I know we've hung out like multiple times um, now, but to do the podcast... No, no. Beside each other is a. It's weird. It is a bit weird. Um, audio is probably sounding a wee bit funny this week, but we're only rocking one mic at the moment. Yeah. Um, we need to get a better in person setup. But yeah. look, next time I can bring my my stuff, so it'll be all right. It'll maybe be better next time, hopefully. Yeah. So look, it's a new way of doing the podcast. Um, yeah. So, Matt, any personal news you want to share with everybody? Well, probably why there hasn't been as consistent uploading is because I've just had to move uh, accommodation recently. So it's uh, it's been a bit of a difficult time in terms of like getting Wi-Fi and all that. And, you know, just having any time to do anything outside of moving in and also doing a 9-to-5 work-wise. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just been uh, not the, the best in that way. But I... Uh, after everything gets sorted out, it'll probably we'll probably be a wee bit more consistent again with uploading and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, we had a, we had a good post out today. Yeah, um, it was a good post. Like it's the one I did for the first time in ages for the Instagram uh, regarding why we don't have by elections, uh, which is quite an interesting story. It's mainly due to the fact that if you have by elections in uh, in Northern Ireland, they essentially would turn into first past the post. Okay. So I was told like if you take Upper Ban for for example, which um, primarily as a nationalist area um, when we normally do elections there's a good chance a DUP member can get free yeah. which is you know part of why we do single transferable vote because it allows people to transfer and smaller parties in certain areas do have a chance not mm-hmm. saying the DUP is small but in that area they would be considered the small party Yeah. so Essentially, if we were to do by-elections with the system we currently have, it would just turn into first-past-the-post. And if, let's say, the DUP member in Upper Ban uh, hypothetically did pull out, it would just turn into a first-past-the-post where you would, nine times out of ten, get a get a Sinn Féin member in. So that's why we do co-options in, okay. in the Assembly. That does make more sense in terms of the, the haunt system and the way we usually do politics. It kind of makes more sense why we then don't have by-elections if that would be the outcome. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was a good. It was a good question. Yeah, no, to, to have yeah. been asked, and uh, I've actually fallen falling back in love with Twitter again. Really? Because this, are you back on it? <laughs> I was never off it, but no. Um, it's only recently I've been asking like loads of questions to people yeah. and getting really good replies. Um, to be fair, I have noticed you've been giving me less. Like usually. Every other day, there was a time where you were giving me a tweet, just being like, "Look how stupid this is off of Twitter," <laughs> <laughs> just so I'm sure contempt for Twitter. Certain <laughs> uh, people annoy me. And in the past week, you've not given me any like no, it's tweets it's... about like how bad Twitter is. So like, people oh. are being smart and asking good questions and helping me answer my dumb questions. <laughs> there's, there's probably somebody out there sharing my tweets, going, "This idiot! <laughs> <laughs> Look at this guy!" Oh. Okay, look, let's let's delve into today's topics. Um, we're currently recording this on Tuesday, the sixth of July, so quite a lot has happened since we last on our recap episode. Um, and yeah, it's also somehow a less eventful week than it probably has been in the past couple. Like, yeah, in terms of Northern Irish politics. Yeah, a lot of lot of news topics. Um, I think we're going to talk with the the big elephant in the room. Um, 
not a politician, but he's somebody who has quite a large effect on political life here, is Stephen Nolan and his libel case that was brought forth against the Pastor Jim Baru accounts. Um, Matt, what's your what's your take on the story? Obviously, he he sued this this anonymous account. He got a PI team to find out who he was and brought a six figure charge. Yeah, I mean. I haven't actually seen any of the like actual tweets. I I wasn't really aware of the whole mm. big. I, I was name. Um, obviously, I've followed the news on it and I've like seen what's been happening. I didn't know about the specific ha- account who is doing this kind of specific abuse. I and then whenever I was reading it, it mostly sounded like it was kind of more of a continuous kind of just calling out or like continuous like yeah. making mean comments. I guess if you were to put it like nicely, that it, that it was kind of. A continuous. It was. It wasn't necessarily that he was putting out like death threats or nothing to to no one. It was no, more so it, that it was. It was. It was more so just a constant stream of criticism. Trolling. Yeah, and getting petitions to try get one off the air. Yeah, I mean, so that's an interesting president. I yeah. guess, In terms of internet, I mean, the the president was already already said. I think like ten or fifteen years ago, whenever someone here got done for doing a tweet, I'm pretty sure. So I think this has happened before. But now this is, I guess, a bigger case. I yeah, suppose. I'm it, not sure uh, your guy, the doctor, got done for. Yeah, saying, Jansen. Yeah, Jansen got done for doing Arlene saying nothing about Arlene. So I mean, it it it, it seems like in Northern Ireland we've fairly we've got a fairly hard president in terms of. You don't really need to prove much damage in terms of kind of libel or or uh, or or actually suing someone over over this stuff, which. I would say is out of line with probably the rest of the UK <laughs> and the Republic. Yeah. In terms of like usually the, so it's something that has actually been talked about quite a lot here because one of the issues with it is that some journalists then feel like they can't report stuff or they can't say certain things. Yeah. Um. So obviously that's why Mike Nasbitt like often has been trying to get like a, a bill through that would change, would update our libel laws. To make it so that you couldn't just you know sue and sue someone, without proving damage. So you need to before you could sue someone, you need to prove like substantial damage. You need to prove like how it's like affected you in like a meaningful way, which I don't necessarily know you have to do right now. I don't think you basically have to do that at all. No, they not You can kind of take yeah. someone to court, and as long as you prove that they've broadly affected you, then it's kind of a case that can go forward. Yeah, and I think if we're going by the current rules the Northern Ireland has for defamation, I think the pastor did violate that then. Yeah. With his, uh, you know, obviously his petitions to get uh, Nolan sacked as a... Oh, was he the guy who did those? Yeah. Oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he, 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 a man who was obsessed with Nolan, to say yeah, the least. Um, I I want to put it out there, though. I think there, there are very much clear uh, criticisms of Nolan that I think certain people who would have maybe supported the pastor's comments. Yeah. Um, I think some of them are credible, actually, when we're discussing Nolan well, yeah. and his role as a, a, a media outlet here. Obviously, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be trolled. Like No, the, obviously not. He shouldn't be... We're not saying that, you know, he should be trolled or nothing or, like, that he should be harassed in the way that he was. I think what should happen is that he should, you know, have... Well, that there should be like a reasonable discussion with him that he wants if he wants to have it. Yeah. Not like just a continuous battering on social media of like you know abuse towards him that usually just involves you know comments about his physical appearance. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not like the right way of doing it. 
Um, but then at the same time, I, I do worry that it's like, well, I wonder now, you, you don't want to see it go down the path of like, well, now you can't criticize no one because then it's like, oh, you're just like a troll or something. Because mm-hmm. there's, there are, there is legitimate criticism of them. However, this pastor, you know, whatever it was called, didn't do it right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I, I wonder how this would have played out um, hypothetically if this wasn't an anonymous account. Yeah. If this was a well-known figure, um, would it have been different? Would have maybe Nolan reached out to him earlier in yeah. this instant and challenged him on it and maybe brought him on the show? Mm. Or, like, would any of that happen? But because this pastor, or because the pastor Jim Rue account ran behind this platform of being anonymous. Yeah. And literally having no repercussions for what he said for a very long time to then all of a sudden... Very big repercussions. Very, very big <laughs> very repercussions. And I don't know if this is going to be the, the first lawsuit we're going to see against this account. He has... Yeah. I remember he made some comments against uh newsletter, against Sam McBride oh, right. and uh, Ben Lowry, which there's probably people listening going, that was fair criticism at the time, but yeah. it was... Like there were still unfair comments I think made there, yeah, yeah. um, and I just heard that Jimmy Bryson is uh going out to try. He's doing it alone with him as well. He's going against the pastor. I pastor think he's. I, f- well. I wasn't. The article wasn't that clear if it was okay, specifically right. against the pastor account or just online trolls in general. Yeah. Um, there was speculation that it was also was it that that it was possibly a special advisor or something like that. Yeah, a special advisor for the economy. Uh, oh, right, okay. department who has also said previously he is an alliance supporter okay and i i just want to caveat that that's speculation basically that's speculation yeah. and also the alliance supporter but i think that gets drawn <laughs> way too much by some commentators that uh, this is like a sneery side of alliance look it's one member to say this yeah. affects the whole party uh and before anybody comes jumping on my throat for that i'm not an alliance member so yeah. Like oh, it's you can't judge a party by one member who's anonymous. <laughs> that's that's all I'm trying to say. So every party's got trolls, and yeah, especially definitely. in Northern Ireland at the end of the day. Oh yeah, so, no party's free of it. Oh yeah, of course. You just look at the amount of like obviously the Shinnerbot thing that goes about, yeah. and then you know Alliance will have their 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 wing of it to some extent, and then obviously people with Union Jack flags on their profiles just going about spreading abuse about. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it is what it is. It is like. Social media at the end of the day. It's not right. No. By any means, but it it is just a common part of yeah. social media in today's it age. Not, it might not always be a common part, but today it is. So Yeah. Look, I think we've talked enough about Nolan. Yeah. Um we just want to clarify though, don't be sending him any abuse. Um because you lose the argument as soon as you start commenting about his physical appearance or yeah. just just in general, some of the comments I see about Nolan are disgusting and this is somebody who's not really a fan of him so check yourself before you wreck yourself (laughs) (laughs) look moving on to party political news um alex easton uh formerly of the dup north down has quit the party now an independent yeah i think really we know the reason why he's unhappy with the internal infighting within the party says it's the way it treated arlene was despicable but matt i want to ask you what sort of challenge does this give Donaldson now? Well, having this very, very divided party with members leaving left, right and centre. Well, I mean, in terms of Easton, at the very least, it's it's the fact that they've lost an MLA. Mm-hmm. And that's... That, that feels like a, a bigger thing than what happened during the... Most of the poot stuff. It feels like a bigger thing than most of the poot stuff. 
because obviously most of the poo stuff was counselors and then someone who didn't even get elected yeah. kind of left the party. So it didn't feel like as sub... It felt like it was still... There was still like a clear message as to why those people left, but it wasn't the people with like really, really big power in the DUP left. Alex Easton was like a somewhat, you know, notable member of the DUP. He was also a relatively long sir i think he's he's 20 been, years he, he was so, there yeah. for 20 years uh he left giving the excuse of division and i feel like that kind of means that donaldson's donaldson's uh clearly not gonna be able to say there is no division if someone just left over <laughs> it's it kind of cements it just further and further and further as we go along that there is a division in the dp and it's not gone because donaldson be elected yeah. So you can't say that that, and they can't just kind of go behind closed doors and say and have this weird argument, whenever one of their party members has publicly said, this division still exists, and I'm leaving because of it. Yeah, and I also, um, it was quite a significant uh, member leaving. Yeah. Not not so as in much the member itself, but no. as a, how it tipped the scales within the assembly. Exactly. Yeah. So what now? What we're seeing is Sinn Fein is the largest party within the assembly. Mm-hmm. The first time a nationalist party is the majority. Or is the largest party within the within Stormont? Yeah. So it's all within the centenary year of the, <laughs> of the North. It is. I couldn't imagine a worse centenary in terms of for political unionism. Yeah. But bar you know the Bar that. That's that's the one thing. I mean, I'm not going to talk too much in the whole unionism nationalism thing, but I mean, it's. I I think, uh, it's time. Party politically, it's something. I mean, it it feels like Sinn Fein's gone strength to strength in the past, you know, month or so. I feel like they've they've also had the very big strength of the fact that the DUP's got so much talk. I mean, you can just look at the past, you know, couple weeks of what our content has been like. Yeah, we try and talk sometimes not about the DUP and look at other stuff, but generally each week the first thing we're talking about is, oh, Poots, oh Donaldson, oh, um, someone leaves the DUP. Yeah reshuffles who's going to be coming in now and all that kind of stuff so i mean the Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin's had like a very strong strength in the fact that they can kind of they they have actually had things that have happened which are not necessarily brilliant for them in terms of stuff like the jerry the the dairy yeah um, two councillors left in dairy as well the other day yeah two councillors from dairy left so it is there it's not like there aren't things that are not great that's happening with Sinn Féin but it's more so that People don't really aren't really talking about that. They're talking about the bigger thing, which is all this, you know, torment in the DUP. Yeah. Means that kind of Sinn Fein can kind of do their stuff behind, kind of just remain quiet on those things. Um. So so I think part party politically, Sinn Fein shut set themselves up in a very like nice position for the next. I mean, you say a couple months. You you know, imagine. Mm. Uh, they can kind of just sit back and let things happen to some degree. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> They're doing well by not reacting to anything, or exactly, yeah. none of their stories are really becoming major news. No, uh, I I know the the councillors who left Sinn Fein the other day. One website reported that. One website. One yeah. website. One that's website, yeah. that's how well they're riding this media wave at the moment. Yeah. Um. Look, we're we're still sticking within the sphere of unionism here. That's just where all the news is coming from. Uh, Ryan McCready, uh, London Dairy Man. Uh, formerly of the DUP, he left uh, quite publicly um, when Edwin Poots was elected leader, citing that it wasn't a party that he joined. It's changed, it, you know, the attitudes and tones or wasn't something he agreed with. He would definitely have been 
one of the party's more liberal members. Mm. I don't think it was publicly known about how liberal he was. Uh, but well, how, how liberal is he? You know, That's support, not a joke. That is just a question. Oh, supporting of gay marriage, abortion. Okay, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he definitely called himself a moderate, okay. which would make me question then why did he join the DUP in the first place? Maybe it's just also a large... Maybe it's just the party he's associated himself with, I suppose, maybe. Yeah, people could change, but um, look, he he's he was an independent there for a grand total of two to three weeks, and uh, now he's decided to join the UUP. Yeah. Um, Ryan was previously a soldier. Um, he served out in Afghanistan and all. He actually served with Doug Beatty. All right. <laughs> so that's... there's a link there, and I think it... it he he's he's he was cited quite heavily as a rising star within the DUP. All right. So for the UUP to to, to nick him, uh, it's it's quite a big move. So the the UUP have made some decent moves as well in the past couple of weeks. If we're talking about party political stuff, they they've had they got the PUP councillor. They've now got the DUP councillor, who you're saying is was a somewhat of a rising star in terms of the DUP politics, which is surprising considering the position that he had. Also, both of those people who they've taken, both kind of already fit into the kind of Doug mm-hmm. Beatty model of liberalism, liberal kind of left leaning, well, slightly left leaning, uh, big heart kind of, kind of position that they're trying to push over the past. Well, it's basically since Doug Beatty's been been elected, and in terms of, I I think they've also done a similar thing to Sinn Fein, where obviously they're not having as much success as Sinn Fein, but mm-hmm. in the general terms of knowing. If we keep relatively quiet, if we go do our business by ourselves, and then if we every so often are making like good positive movements and making sure that then those things get talked about, which generally they have been generally, I have heard people talking about the PUP councillor who got shifted over. I've heard people talk about this move. Maybe this one's been slightly quieter to well, some it degree. Only, it only came out the other day. So. Only came out the other day, and then you know they've they've had one or two kind of policy movements. I think. Um, even though they're not coming to mind right now, I, I do remember reading about one or two things they've proposed in the past like couple of weeks. Well, we've had the conversion therapy. Conversion therapy was um, a, defamation yeah. bill from Nazvitz yeah. coming through. Um, support for integrated education. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that completely. Look, so they're 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 making new steps. I think they're for the first time in possibly our lifetimes. They're really providing a true alternative alternative to DUP in a more political policy sense outside the greater unionist debate obviously during St Andrews there was massive disagreements and yeah. from that sort of thing and obviously there was Brexit there was some nuance but I don't think the UUP really had it out the gate there no. but look no Ryan's a, a big player um, he's going to be the he's going to be running for the MLA seat Next year up in Londonderry, yeah. he's going to be actually going against his uh, former party colleague, um, Gary Middleton. So they're both both young unionists uh, going for an area which, you know, has does a lot. I think it's East Londonderry he'll be running in, so yeah. quite a few unionist seats go there. So it'll also, be a tight election, like Middleton's a... He, he's... I wouldn't maybe go as far as say rising star, but he certainly he was he's been involved in terms of talks about you know junior minister positions and stuff like that. Yeah. So he he's a he's a credible he's uh, a member. credible member of the DEP who if he does lose a seat would be kind of a noticeable loss in terms mm-hmm. of. I mean that that's still a long way away in terms of like actually seeing the the UUP showing that they can beat. Uh, the DUP in that area, but yeah. 
I mean, it's interesting at the very least that it sets up like more of a competition in that area, I suppose, with yeah. like a competent political opposition from the UUP now in that area. Yeah, look, they're a party that's enjoying a great honeymoon period. This is yeah. bring in the Belltel. New manager bounce. New manager bounce. Good transfer window. Good transfer window. <laughs> They've got two new signings. Yeah, I hear they're still ropey on the old cash front. Uh, but, uh, need a better defence. <laughs> Look, they'll, they'll have a big window coming up here, obviously, with uh, the by-election coming yeah. uh, for the MPC. Uh, Donaldson's made it clear that later this summer, uh, or later this year in general, he's going to he's going to resign being an MP. He's going to co-opt uh, a seat uh, somewhere else within the DUP. I don't know where that would be. I really don't. Yeah. I think potentially it might be Stephen Dunn, who recently... Uh, was co-opted onto his late father's seat there. Right. Um, so I think possibly that, maybe since he's the newest member, that way. But, or he could kick out one of the older ones. Um, but, look, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And it'll be actually very interesting to see where Donaldson will take that seat, because he'll, obviously he'll have to represent that area. Yeah. Um, I mean, he could just then, in the next election, just swap, I suppose, just back to Lagan Valley. Yeah. Which would be... Sure. I mean, if he ran as an MLA in Lagan Valley, I mean, you'd imagine he pretty much blitz oh, anyone yeah. else. Oh, yeah, Pat Catney would then definitely lose his Probably, seats yeah. in, that, in that case. Yeah. Because it would go Pat, Edwin, Gavin, Butler. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, one, one or two Alliance members, maybe. Yeah. You know? Maybe. <laughs> you, you might even see Edwin lose his seat. Honeyford, you might go is Honeyford going for MLA? Yeah, Honeyford and Eastwood. For, yeah. And I think Eastwood will definitely get a seat. Probably. So, look, ooh, exciting times ahead. Yeah, it's funny. Ugh, great time to be a political nerd. Uh, <laughs> look, um, still still keeping with on the unionist track lines because they're the only side making real uh, news at the moment. Uh, Gordon Lyons just appointed today as economy minister. He's replacing Paul Frew, who only lasted 22 days in the job. Yeah. Good reshuffle move by Dalton, or what do you think? I mean, it's hard to tell because I don't think we, I don't think Gordon Lyons, in terms of a ministerial position, is necessarily a, a known quantity. Mm. I wouldn't say he's not a. He's not. He's not kind of a. Ma- I mean, he he had a junior. He was junior minister, I believe. So he, he's probably got some experience from that doing and stuff. He also was acting agriculture, minister. Was it? Yeah, acting minister for agriculture yeah. while Edwin. Uh, was battling cancer. Yeah. Um, so he, he very short period of time. To be only fair. for a month yeah, now. But short. look, he has some ministerial. He experience. has some ministerial experience. He's also relatively young, isn't he? He's not 35. Old, Thirty-five. So uh, I mean, I feel like it's an interesting appointment from Donaldson in terms of picking younger member of the party. He does have, but however, he's picked a young younger member. You'd assume probably not as an extreme member. Well, he is. He was a Donaldson supporter, while Furry was. Um, yeah, a, I mean, a he's not a he's not a radical necessarily no, in the party, no. um, and that he's also probably viewed as having somewhat decent experience now in terms of ministerial positions, even though he's not a kind of thorough, thoroughly vetted member of the party. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's interesting. It's a decent department to get. Uh, a name for yourself and if you do it well it's very easy to get a bad name for yourself if you do it poorly yeah that's the know. thing like Diane Dodds for all her faults I think she did quite a decent job yeah. running that department yeah um, 
obviously free didn't last long enough to for us to gather an opinion on it. Yeah. And yeah, look, all the best to him. Hopefully he does well. <laughs> you know, um, tough job to take. The only other real thing about Gordon is we don't actually know a lot about him. No. We've done very few interviews for the press, even on a local media sense. Um, he was originally born in Coleraine, lived outside of there for most of his life, um, represents East Antrim. The only, the only thing though I would say, you said he wasn't an extremist, and I think you're right there, but we have to remember who he, he was tutored under, which was Sammy Wilson. Oh, right, okay. So he spent five years working <laughs> in Sammy's office. So I, I think you might see a mini Sammy streak within him. But it would be interesting to see that because is it do we need that <laughs> do we need another do we need another Sammy but a good quote by Gordon is there's only one Sammy Wilson there's only one Sammy that's a tally I must sing at the DUP conferences <laughs> that's how many football fun. references can we cram into this <laughs> as many as possible yeah look yeah he, he spent five years working for Sammy he yeah. then when Sammy was elected in 2015 to become an MP, he took his seat and then he got elected on his own account in, in 2017. So, yeah, don't really know quite a lot about him personally. Don't even know if he's married or if he's in a relationship or anything. Which is very important to know about politics. It, when, <laughs> surprisingly, it's one of those things that it's brought up a lot, like their family life and their yeah, background. Well, that's such like a, it's like a very American kind of, well, no, it's not. It's, it happens most places, but I feel like it's, it's like a funny, like kind of prejudgment people, I guess, will will have yeah. in terms of what the family situation is like. So we don't know if he's a family man or not. <laughs> no, exactly. How can you how can you trust someone who doesn't have? Yeah, he doesn't have kids. How can he? If he can't raise kids, how can he raise an economy? <laughs> Wasn't that? I feel like I remember something during Theresa May's. Like they, they talk about her not having kids and being like she doesn't have any investment in our future. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Jesus! Like, what does that look? There's plenty of criticisms you could have given to Theresa May. That probably was not the most legit. I hope a left-wing person said that, because that would be so funny. It's like a hypocritical thing. Like, yeah. You're only valuable as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't think, I think it was a right-wing person. But... Oh, good, because I said it was a raging lefty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, actually, let's move on to some uh, policy. Actual political stuff. What this whole website slash podcast is based around. Yeah. Liquor laws finally got updated in Northern Ireland. Finally. We can now drink the three o'clock in the exactly. morning. Exactly. What we were all looking for. Which I don't think I'd ever lasted. I've only lasted a handful of occasions to three o'clock. What do you mean? You've never lasted to three. You've well, pl- there's know. plenty of times you've definitely lasted till three o'clock. Well, normally with you, because <laughs> <laughs> we're on a session together. <laughs> I, I don't go to sleep whenever I'm drinking. No, you don't. You don't. You get lost and wander about. <laughs> I really do. It's, it's Now I'm in Belfast, it's just like... It's just open season for me. <laughs> it's horrible. And if you are stuck in Belfast, please go to Matt's apartment. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm not doxing myself. Like uh, yeah, so no, liquor licensing laws got updated. Uh, There's a lot more. I actually think the 3am one is nice in terms of like, it's kind of like a nice thing to happen and it maybe will get like some more money, maybe some more. But the more important thing I think is the tourism kind of stuff of like yeah. cinemas. Well, this isn't necessarily tourism, but maybe more kind of a entertainment leisure kind of thing. You can drink now at cinemas, which uh, is something that you can do in, I think, most other regions. You can get, like, a drink in a cinema. Yeah. You can... There's more liberal laws or there's more uh, liberalization of laws in terms of stuff like tours and all that. 
Okay. You can drink more, I believe, on tours. You can give more. You can give up more samples. I believe is one of the ones. And what I think is very important is I think there's now not going to be as much of a closed off. Actually, I, I probably want to make sure of this. I, I can't remember if this is one of the specific things that was tackled. I think they're they are changing specifically licensing. I believe this is amended of, by Matthew Tool. Yeah. So this is now you won't be able to. I mean, they will be able to give I believe new licenses in it. Yeah. Yeah, which was basically, it meant before that getting a license was kind of like a closed market. It was, a very few people had them. Those people held on to them, and if they gave them away, they were very high-valued. Yeah. Obviously, because there's only so many of them. Now, and I, I don't remember, there, it's like something like a hundred years since there's been... A, a new, new one. A new one given out. So you have to think of, like, every bar that you go by, which serves liquor, you know, that's been there. You know, they had to buy that from someone else for, like, an awful lot or it's been there just for, like, a certain amount of time, and it's just stayed in that building. Uh, it, that doesn't count. But, oh, actually, though, for hotels, it doesn't count for restaurants. Those are basically the two ones where you're able to, like, serve alcohol under, like, a restaurant license or under a hotel license, yeah, okay. I believe, um, which is funny. So I, I believe there probably are some places that are relatively close to restaurants that maybe are just using it to just basically yeah. be a bar. Um, but then... I think that's pretty, that's a, the, those are like kind of, well, the 3AMs being the big kind of, you know, mm. oh, we can all go out the 3AM. The headline. That's great. That's been the headline news. There's been like more important stuff in terms of like actually just making sure that, you know, stuff becomes like a little bit more open in terms of like actually being allowed to drink kind of like a more, more adult kind of Which, uh, way, not as super, supervised, yeah. I guess. I think, I think it brings up an interesting topic though about the proliferation of drink and how, yeah. Because obviously the Irish society, North and South has a, a very mixed relationship with drink yeah and i i mean this as in i ha- I had one friend post to me that you know since we have quite short drinking times you know we go to clubs early but since clubs also close early we drink so much in excess yeah in a t- in a lot of time to fit it all in yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah and then she also posed the idea that you know for people who you know don't want to be around drink yeah. Now that cinemas are, are allowing drink to be around, have we just essentially made it harder for those sort of people and for people with families that want to be away from that sort of culture now that it's being brought into the cinema? And and also, will people go to the cinema now to get, to get blocked, essentially? Or will, uh, they, or, or will they use it in a more relaxed, like, European sort of way, where they'll only have, like, one or two? Well, I would probably say... I think for one thing, one of the big messages is that that's kind of come out from many of the people who were doing this, like Deirdre Hardy. Hardy. She's she's made quite a strong point that this is not just a, you know, unregulated kind of like just opening everything up and saying you can drink now wherever you want, you can drink do, whatever you want. In terms of cinemas, I think they're still they're not even gonna just like give you enough alcohol to get blocked. Okay. I I think it's still gonna be kind of like. I think of like, look, you're here to watch a movie. You're not here mm-hmm. to get absolutely slashed and ruin the place. <laughs> if you're bringing your children to eighteen plus movies, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like don't bring a kid to an eighteen plus movie. There's more problems there than you, than the alcohol. <laughs> like you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think in terms of the the North's relationship in terms of like drinking times, I think that's probably was true at one stage, but I think house party culture has changed that quite significantly to some degree yeah where for one thing you drink early you can drink early at your house go to a club and then you can drink it at someone else's after mm-hmm. so I, I don't know can legislation actually tackle that sort of cultural change you reckon or um i don't know i mean it's a question of whether it needs to be tackled uh or whether 
you know, tackling it in terms of opening times is actually the way of tackling it or whether it needs to be tackled in kind of more of a view of like that this is, you know, that these are probably maybe deeper issues that, that, that lie than just like the time a bar is open till maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's like whenever the Americans try to do prohibition because I thought, well, that's going to stop people from drinking, but then they just continue doing it. Well, it's because yeah. there's different issues here than, than the drink. It's not... Well, it's not that there's definitely issues here, here than the drink, but, like, the drink can be the medicine, and, you know, you're not going to actually tackle the disease, possibly. Yeah, that's a good answer. Quite like that one. Yes. Look, should we move on to our, our final topic of tonight, which is something you've, you've brought up before, actually, is yeah. the Northern Ireland Aud- Audit Office and sports funding when yeah. it came with uh, COVID relief packages and how some sports clubs got paid a little bit too much. Yeah, so uh, I think the... The big one that kind of people were talking about was how, so to give you kind of a brief overview of, of what happened, basically what happened was and sports clubs were, a lot of sports clubs were on the edge of administration. It was important that they did get funding. The issue was that some of them did take advantage of it by instead of getting enough to survive, they got enough to basically <coughs> match the profits they would have had in the previous year. Saying if we you know we made this much money this last year we should get it this year, despite the fact that wasn't what the fund was for. It was to make sure that you were able to survive. So you had stuff like the golf club or a golf club. I can't remember. It was Royal Royal something or other golf club. Basically got like one point five million pounds, which is a ridiculous amount and no nowhere near what you actually need to survive. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're just keeping up greens, I assume, and you're also. You know, keeping whatever bar you have looking relatively clean, I'd imagine. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you do need... I, I just don't understand how you need a million pounds. Yeah. 1.5 million pounds for basically a year to, like, make your golf green look... Presentable. Presentable. Playable, even. Playable. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, I, I, I then, you know, Crusaders also uh, asked for an amount they would have received for European qualification, despite the fact I don't think they were even part of Europe during that season. No, and I don't um, even think they had a chance of qualifying for it, but yeah. going by that season's performance, it wasn't looking <laughs> likely anyway. Yeah, so the, the actual issue for, for me with this was, was more so looking at this as a possible precursor to what we're probably maybe going to see in the next couple couple months, maybe even the next couple of years in terms of looking back at this kind of crisis and pandemic that, you know, we're going to have to find out how bad, how much money did we spend, which we did not need to spend. And it is, is this sports fund like a one-off thing in terms of how the government acted? Or are we just going to see like, oh, well, actually in most things, there are a lot of times where businesses were getting more or some businesses were getting more than need to survive. Some of them did, you know, needed to survive. But some were using it out of badness yeah. and were doing it in a bad faith, um, which is what I would worry about. Do you have any kind of opinions on, on that? Yeah, I, I would just argue that while, while overfunding is ridiculous and should have happened, yeah. I I like to take the benefit of a doubt and say maybe some of these decisions were taken, you know, have to be made quite rapidly. Yeah. And by civil servants who I doubt were always best prepared and who were scattered throughout the country. Um, so I'm sure, like, the actual deliverance of it was was quite a struggle. Yeah. And obviously mistakes were made. Uh, but look, no, I'm I'm glad the the audit officers came out with this and have issued have issued uh, awareness around it. Yeah, I wouldn't say that my my issue with it is necessarily. I, I understand they had to act very quickly and they had to do it 
uh, there and then in a lot of cases and that it was about it, it was about acting and having to actually be there uh, for communities and for uh, for for organizations especially like football clubs or especially like GAA clubs which are more than just you know an organization they're a communal they're a communal hub yeah. a lot of the times but I just think I, I think with uh with it on a wider level, I think it, it, it will be interesting if we're able to then learn the lessons that we we made the mistake this time, we'll be able to then go, if this does happen again, if we are, you know, if we do have to go through a pandemic again, are we going to learn from it? Are we going to see what we did wrong last time and make sure that we have processes in, in place to, like, actually do it right next yeah. time? Because I think there is, like, a decent chance of there being a next time. Oh, yeah, and especially in the more globalised world and yeah. how we're so interconnected... It, it's not unimaginable for this to ever happen again. Well, I mean, this one, I, I mean, we talked about this last week, I mean, or whenever we were talking last week, uh, I mean, I, I said, I think this was like a relatively like nice pandemic in like mm. the grand scheme. Look, to us, to me, to me, to you, to like us on an everyday level, it was horrible. Like we hated it. We were in lockdown. We like we had a lot of nights where we were like, oh, I just want like things to go back to normal. That's I completely agree. But, but like in terms of deaths. This in terms of like proper like numbers of deaths, this was like a very like mild pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been an awful lot worse. Like only part of, part of society was like affected by it. So I think next time you'd hope that you know we we understand that what we got from this COVID was like a chance to prepare for like another one happening that could be an awful lot worse. Yeah. Um, and. Well, the sports fund. Well, putting that all on the sports fund seems to be a wee bit like, <laughs> you know, you know, much. I, I think it is like a, just like a point of like a like look at this as like we can learn from this thing. I guess. God bless the sports fund. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, thank you all for listening again this week. Um, it was really nice to do the podcast for the first time in person. Yeah. Um, I actually like the energy and vibe of it so much more than Zoom. <laughs> I think it's a lot more natural. You can just talk like yeah, it's a lot easier. Yeah, and yeah, no, it's just, it's just been great to do. Uh, I really enjoyed it this week, and we'll catch you again next week. Thanks very much for listening.